This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. Sam Knight is on vacation, but that's not going to stop us from doing a chip chat. It's Wednesday, and on Wednesdays we do a chip chat. Damn it. So Chip Gibbons is here, journalist, policy director at Defending Rights and Dissent, although when he's doing chip chat, he speaks only for himself. Hey, Chip. Hey, Sam. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. So the topic today... I guess Sam Knight's long. We could spend the entire program just gossiping about him. Well, we could gossip about him. We could, could, you... could have... Uh... No, no, I do not. You don't Absolutely have any good not. gossip? Yeah. I think I have some, nope. but... Uh... Maybe we'll we'll save it for next week's chip chat because he's going to be gone next week too. I'll I'll come up with some really good ones. Um, instead of gossiping about Sam Knight, we're going to talk about Edward Snowden. And um, look, I I I like talking about Snowden because you know we need to keep his name in the news. We need to uh, keep what's happening to him in the news so people don't forget that you know he's essentially a political prisoner who's been exiled out of this country. Um, but <laughs> I'm a little bit annoyed in the sense that he's 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 in the news because there's this belief that President Trump might pardon him, even though President Trump basically said, oh, yeah, that's something I'm looking into, which is what he says about everything. So I'm pretty skeptical that there's actually uh, never met the guy. <laughs> and it's literally I mean, you can make these things up in advance, but I was just reading right before uh, the chip chat what he had said and once again there's a i've never met the guy <laughs> yeah yeah when asked but anyone i've never met i, the I don't guy. i don't want to give I, too much credence to like trump seriously considering this but i am disturbed by how trump hinting that he might consider this has provoked just the worst reaction from the usual suspects both on the right and on the left that shows that you know, this this is bipartisan, this notion that Edward Snowden should remain exiled uh, from the country at the least. I mean, a lot of these people think he should be brought back here and thrown in prison or hanged. Yeah, I mean, it's really very troubling. I mean, I don't I cannot seriously see Trump pardoning Edward Snowden. We've been through this where he might pardon reality winner. He said she, maybe she was treated unfairly. Uh, that was never going to happen for her. I think the obvious reason there was also some murmurings about him uh, pardoning John Kerryaku hmm. resistance. John Kerryaku was the only person who went to jail for the CIA torture program because he blew the whistle on it. Uh, that's what happens in this country. You don't go to jail for torture, but if you talk about it to 60 minutes, then you know, you're in big trouble. Uh, sort of national security types are always in a constant hubbubaloo that at any minute now Trump could could pardon Assange, even though he allowed his Justice Department to do what Obama wouldn't allow the Justice Department to do and, and give in to the CIA and the national security state and bring Espionage Act charges against someone for publishing truthful information. So it, it, it really doesn't seem likely to me that Trump is going to pardon Snowden, but, you know, it was Warren G. Harding who pardoned Eugene Debs. Perhaps perhaps Trump will be our Warren G. Harding. I, I don't know. Well, I'm uh, trying to think of I'm trying to think of like the circumstances that would lead to Trump pardoning Snowden or at least what's going on in his brain that would that would cause him to do this. Um 
you know, because it's obviously not because he's suddenly skeptical of government surveillance and wants to make a statement about that, given, you know, how we see how the Department of Homeland Security has been operating amid the nationwide uprising, given how the DOJ has treated Chelsea Manning over the last few years. Um, I, I don't see a sudden change of heart on deep state surveillance, quote unquote, deep state surveillance from Trump. But I guess I could see him being swayed by certain political actors that by doing this, you could more easily make a case against the Obama spying apparatus and use that to play yourself as a victim. I, I mean, could you see a scenario where something like that comes out I of it? And is it even worth Snowden getting a pardon if that's the scenario? Under yeah, the, I think the... it's worth Snowden getting a pardon if that's the scenario. I'm not terribly worried that the deep state will be unfairly maligned. Um, I mean, that's the line Senator Rand Paul is taking. He said, I'm one of them. I believe in reference to people thinking uh, Snowden's been treated unfairly. Snowden revealed that Trump haters, Clapper and Comey, among others, were illegally spying on Americans. Clapper lied about it to Congress. Donald Trump should pardon Snowden, which, um, you know, compare that to 2015, where Edward Snowden, or not Edward Snowden, Rand Paul, I mean, there's a headline from 2015, Rand Paul says no pardon for Snowden. Uh, I believe Rand Paul's flip-flopped over the years on Snowden. On a lot of issues. Yes. Yeah, I mean, in 2015, he said Snowden should have to return to the United States and face some sort of penalty. It's worth pointing out that Ron Paul, the other Paul, was a major proponent of uh, pardoning Edward Snowden. That was one of the major campaigns he was working on in his post-congressional career. And that there was some murmurings in the media when Rand Paul was going to run for the Republican uh, nominee in 2016, that this was one of the fringe views of Ron Paul that would hurt Rand. And Ron Paul does have a lot of fringe views. I'm, I'm not denying that. But, you know, pardoning Snowden is not one of them. Um, and that there was some, I believe, speculation or assertion that, like, Rand Paul, like, asked his father to shut up. On, on Ron Paul. I'm sorry, I'll start with a shut up on Edward Snowden because it would hurt his, his presidential chances, which, as you know, were very, very serious. Um, and, and, but now he's back with, you know, pardon Snowden. He revealed Trump haters, Clapper and Comey. And I believe with, with John Karyanku, that was where some of the argumentation was coming from, that some of these same intelligence officials who Trump believes to have targeted him uh, were responsible for Karyanku's prosecution. And it's just, it, it's very weird because, you know, the whole dynamic of Trump is bizarre. He has this sort of proto-fascist rhetorical style he praises surveillance during his campaign. He called for more surveillance. He's praised torture. He's given the CIA free-handed drone strikes. You know, all these sorts of things. And also because his campaign was sort of adjacent to or ensnared in this sort of uh, foreign counterintelligence investigation. And he's a very uh, sensitive, egotistical man. 
Um, you know, he's very angry about that. So he goes off on these bombastic statements about spying and surveillance, but they only seem to apply to, to him. And it's just create this very bizarre discourse where you have these Republicans like decrying illegal spying, illegal surveillance, but they don't actually mean the types of programs Edward Snowden revealed. They don't actually mean the type of surveillance the FBI has been doing since J. Edgar Hoover first headed up their intelligence division. You know, they it, basically not... just mean the Carter Page application. <laughs> Which, like, fine, Carter Page application. You know, not not a great moment for the FBI. I'm. I think that if you're a, a liberal anti-Trumper and you want to spend your time devoting voted to uh, defending the Carter Page FISA application, <laughs> you should take up a hobby like like I think putting ships in a bottle or or, or something. Um, well, it's just so bothersome that even even though these Republicans are cynical in their belief that Snowden should be pardoned now, there's not there's I, I, like among at least the elected left. I mean, it's you're hard pressed to find anybody who's no, willing who's willing to to support Snowden's pardon. Um, and so, I feel like I feel like when he first came out, there might have been a handful of them. Who were like actually you know he's exposed like ron wyden and stuff no ron wyden is not ron wyden is very big on people who expose intelligence secrets should be spied but the journalists who report on them should not be well, uh, it, prosecuted maybe I, maybe i'm misremembering from 2014 but i feel like there were at least a handful of democrats who were willing to give snowden the benefit of the doubt on this and now I don't hear from any of them anymore. You saw Susan Rice tweet out uh, how how awful this would be that that Trump would be considering this. I mean, it seems like the Democrats are even more hawkish now than Republicans on this issue. I think because Snowden released the information during um, during the Obama administration, I always felt like there was not a lot of support for him amongst Democrats. Yeah. The only people I remember being supportive of Snowden at the time were, um, I guess, Rand Paul and, and Justin Amash. Yeah. And Rand Paul has flip-flopped. He's now back on team pardon. Uh, Justin Amash has once again, I believe, come out for a pardon of Edward Snowden. He's the only person who's been consistent on this in Congress. He's an independent. And then in the past, Tulsi Gabbard has called for a pardon of Edward Snowden. She's been silent on this one. Uh, and then I don't believe AOC has ever mentioned Snowden by name, but she has taken the position that you shouldn't prosecute whistleblowers under the Espionage Act, which, to be fair, I think everyone takes that position, whether or not they prosecute whistleblowers under the Espionage Act, they just say, that person's not a whistleblower. Um, and there was some sort of interview with her and Sanders where Sanders claimed he wasn't going to do that and then got asked some specifics and he was unwilling to answer them. And AOC jumped in and was like, no, you should pardon reality winner. And I, I think she also took a good stance on Manning, but she's not been vocal on it. Uh, and, and Sanders, for what it's worth, in the 2016 campaign, he called for Snowden to get a plea deal, right? He did not call for him to get a pardon. He called for a plea deal or a commutation that would allow him to return home and not serve an overly long time in, in prison. So, you know, it's better than like, 
Susan Rice or Donald Trump circa 2013 when he wanted to execute Snowden. Um, but it's unfortunately leaves a lot to be desired when compared to Rand Paul and Justin Amash, which is, you know, not where I think the left should be. And I, I think you are correct that amongst the elected left, which there isn't really much of an elected left, but amongst that, they have not been outspoken on whistleblower issues on Snowden and that, the, or to some extent, really surveillance. This has largely been left to weird libertarian palocon Republican types <laughs> that are otherwise not always the greatest people on a lot of issues. Um, and it's just, it's depressing. I think it's really depressing to see, you know, someone like Sanders not saying anything here and, and a, a Rand Paul type yeah. taking the lead. You know, you would think since uh, Sanders, I believe, used to have a picture, maybe still does, of Eugene Debs in his office, he might be thinking about, you know, what does it mean to prosecute someone under the Espionage Act? But <laughs> I my my prediction is that when this episode comes out, this chip chat episode, it'll largely be the end of this discourse. Um, we probably will not be discussing Snowden during the 2020 election. And I'm just trying to, like, think, like, what what circumstances need to change in this country that would put a legitimate pardon or at least some sort of deal to allow him to return to the U.S. back on the table, just given how, at, for all the reasons you've already mentioned, how how toxic the discourse is around these issues. Like, if Trump wins re-election or something, I, I don't see him pardoning Snowden. Biden, no. I don't see Biden pardoning Snowden. No. Um, so for at least the foreseeable next four years... Uh, I don't see any scenario in which Snowden is able to leave Russia. And beyond that, I'm just like, what needs to change? Like, is it just, I don't know what needs to change, but I, I Warren don't Warren G. Hardy needs to be president. <laughs> we need to uh, bring Warren G. Harding. Uh, we need to somehow get his <laughs> DNA and clone him. And... Like a Warren G. Harding or Jimmy Carter type who would pardon him. Um yeah. Which is a very and by Jimmy Carter, I'm I'm not even referring to his post presidential career, where he was, um, you know, you know, very outspoken against the NSA. But when he was sort of a conservative Democrat president who was primaried from the left by Ted Kennedy at the urging of DSOC, the precursor to DSA, um, but you know, he did pardon all of the draft resistors. I believe he pardoned some or commuted some other people from the from the 60s i mean i think what you really need is you need a sense that that era and time is over and we're moving on which, right? which takes like, a long time right it's almost like given as you said that obama was the president during these things that dude's going to be involved in politics for decades but you know with warren g harding pardoning debs it was that world war one is now over yeah. it was you know the um Red Scare is now over with Carter. It's the whole Vietnam era is coming to a close. So it's it's not necessarily a long time afterwards, but it is, you know, 
with this current sort of wave of repression and war making i mean can we even still call this the war on terror anymore i mean i don't i don't know i mean you really what you need is that you know i think most rational people think we need to repeal the aumf the 2001 one 2002 one as well um I mean, you really just need to end the war on terror, and that needs to include ending the war on terror at home and sort of ending all the heightened political repression that came about with that. Uh, but we've just sort of, this sort of post-9-11 security state, it just, just seems like it's going to be with us forever. Yeah. And, and, I, and I do find some of the post-9-11, pre-9-11 discourse infuriating, right? Before 9-11, the U.S. was bombing Iraq once every three days without congressional authorization. You had a precursor to the Patriot Act in the anti-death penalty, and I'm sorry, not anti-death penalty, Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act of 1996, which introduces the material support for foreign terrorist organizations uh, statute which, you know, just a few years before had been unthinkable, both Republicans and Democrats alike, uh, attacked the concept of material support for terrorism as being an attack on First Amendment rights. Uh, So, you know, it wasn't like, you know, there was no security state pre-9-11 and everything was fine. Uh, It just sort of allowed it to spiral, and it just seems like that particular uh, cycle of spiraling has never left us. And I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I think we're going to be doing chit chat 2040 and we'll be like, maybe next year we'll get out of Afghanistan. Maybe maybe that year Snowden can come home. Yeah, I, I, I see this ending uh, when we're old and Snowden is an old man finally like being allowed to return home. And it's a big news story because pretty much everybody from this era has left politics. Um, I guess that'd be a, a promising end. <laughs> Uh, that we've somehow gotten out of this era and it just hasn't uh, continued in perpetuity. Or that uh, I suppose that Russia hasn't just um, cut a deal with some U.S. president to hand him over. uh, Yeah, I can definitely see Russia doing that. I mean, I don't feel like... Or, I mean, political situations change. I mean, look, Ecuador had granted uh, Assange asylum and now the people in government in Ecuador, the very sort of left-wing government around Korea is gone. Korea faces indictment. He can't return to the country. A number of those Ecuadorian officials are also not allowed to come back to the country. So, I mean, political situations change very dramatically. Um, Who knows what what Russia's future looks like. That's right. Chip Gibbons, journalist, the host of the Still Spying podcast. Which now has a website. Oh, we do. It has a website. It's stillspying.org. Nice. Do you want to... It's a very uh, do you well-designed want to, website. Do you want to preview an upcoming episode? Um. So, sure. So, next week's episode is going to be the third part of our three-part series on the FBI's War on Black Descent. This episode will bring us up to the present... Uh, I've also been recording and planning some other episodes I'm really interested in. I, I recorded an interview recently, probably not come out to October or November, with Alan Schrecker, who is the uh, premier historian of the McCarthy period. 
and I'm 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 uh, looking to do an episode, and I've talked to some historians and even some of the family of people involved um, around the FBI's Ku Klux Klan informant who was uh, present when a civil rights activist was killed, and possibly was more than present. Hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to tuning into that. Chip Gibbons, thanks so much for doing this. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.